0: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Lim with the Theotech Podcast, and today I'm joined with two friends, Matt Lombardi from Share and Taylor Doe from Notebird. They are both startup founders that are focusing their technology on people in churches. And today we're going to have a conversation about tech startups serving the church world, the church tech market and digital transformation, and also how we integrate our faith in Jesus into our identity as a tech entrepreneur and in the work that we do in the market. So Matt and Taylor, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for
2: having us, man. We're excited to be here.
0: Yeah. When I connected with you, Taylor, through uh, some of the Kingdom Code folks, I was really just really interested to see how you got connected to the faith and technology community more broadly and you know what it looks like to be participating as an entrepreneur in this world.
2: Yeah. I'm glad we got to connect. Actually, I connected with Matt a few months ago. Uh, we connected through a mutual friend and had kind of just got some guys, some people together, Who had started some kind of smaller kind of faith tech startups honestly and so we've met once or twice so far and just kind of talking about the market and kind of what we're going through and the challenges of being a founder or co-founder in this market and so it's been super interesting and then i obviously found the podcast and listened to several episodes and was like man chris seems like a cool dude got to reach out talk Mm -hmm. on slack and here we are today Mm-hmm. Does Thank it ever feel to you guys like a little bit like the Illuminati, right? Where it's just like, you got to know someone
1: who knows someone who knows someone. Everyone is connected somehow. I'll meet someone who I'm, they're like, Oh yeah, I know this guy and that guy. And we all know each other somehow. But mm-hmm. yet there isn't, there isn't one central place where we're all just meeting up and hanging out. But the, the relationships and the networking has been really cool to see the way that so many people are actively thinking through these topics but it's it's all these relationships that happen that make
0: it yeah and i just think that uh, technology is so cross-cutting and so that makes it so there's a lot of opportunity for it to emerge grassroots it's not really driven by a central church organization or some big tech company it's something that i think the holy spirit has been working in so many people's lives throughout the world and oh yeah there's a purpose for this technology you know god is using it to fulfill the purpose of the kingdom and so that's why we end up with these these mushrooming networks i think of oh the moment you connect to this one node Connected to a bunch of other people, and it's kind of a, it feels like a small world, but it's actually pretty large too. Yeah. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit of your startup origin story? You're you're with Share. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you can tell us about the story but why you created this
1: company and what it does and how it serves the market sure. Yeah, I would love to. So my background is not as a technologist. My background is actually as a pastor and minister. I've worked in churches since I was about 1831 now. And so I had done just about every role you could do in a church from pastoring churches to creative director. to. And I was always kind of the guy who would lean into tech stuff, doing video, doing content creation. Hmm. And then in September, I had been working as a digital strategist for churches for a few years. And just saw... to connect with creative freelance talent who could help them with really everything a church needs to be relevant, and especially a post-COVID world, but even before that, a digital world, right? So website design, graphic design, video creators, social media managers, content writers, all the things that make church happen online. And so I came up with an idea, hey, what if we could create an online marketplace where these people who are, there's a ton of them out there doing freelance work that's awesome for churches, great creatives, could connect with churches somehow. And that actually led us to a tech solution to that problem. Right. So we Mm. created an online marketplace, but I joke, like I'm not a tech founder. Our business is about people connections. We're tech enabled. And so we use tech to make that happen because we just think it's way more efficient, but you know, technically we could do what we do with an Excel spreadsheet, I guess. Um, but yeah, so so the name of the company is called share. It's, It's really just that simple. It's an online marketplace for churches to find freelance creative talent.
0: That's great. Let's go ahead and switch over to Taylor. Taylor, can you tell us the story of the backstory behind Notebird?
2: Yeah, for sure. So Notebird is a, a pastoral care software, but it actually started kind of as a solution to a problem I was having when I was working in corporate America. Hmm. I was tasked with starting the employee care program at a publicly traded company here in Oklahoma City. The founder was a believer and he wanted his employees to feel cared for. So I was the guy to start the employee care program. I was sending flowers to employees who were in the hospital, sending meals to employees who had lost a loved one, And I sent a lot of handwritten cards of encouragement to people who were going through tough life moments, but also moments where celebrating and just kind of checking in with people all across different departments. So I started having trouble kind of keeping up with the details of people's stories, you know, their children's names, tracking interactions that I'd already had with people and and really following up. Mm -hmm. So I tried managing it through email and kind of a handwritten journal. Then I switched to a spreadsheet and then I switched to Evernote. And really all of these solutions had their pretty big flaws when it came to like people Uh, And I didn't really want to use like a full robust CRM or a customer relationship management software that has kind of sales funnels and people kind of move through deals and you eventually close that deal or you win or lose the deal. And that's not what this is about. Mm. And so I started reaching out to some friends who were pastors and were like, hey, what are you guys doing to stay connected with your people and kind of stay organized and kind of got the same response, handwritten journals, note taking apps, Evernote spreadsheets, And so that's when I called my brother, who's actually my co-founder. He's the smartest person I know and was like, Hey, I think we could build a a software that could help me as I'm caring for people both at the company and kind of just in my relational ministry that I have outside of the company. But also I think we could help the church. And Mm -hmm. so that's where, that's where Notebird was born.
0: That's, that's really great story. I'm actually curious. Like there was recently an article in the New York times about the rise of the corporate spiritual consultants And he was saying that in corporate America, as there's a vacuum kind of left by traditional Christian faith in the marketplace, there's a new wave of all these other spiritualities that are able to be present at the executive level to create mindfulness plans and all this kind of thing. Mm. So it sounded to me, though, that you, you had a role with a believer at the helm of a public company where it was kind of like a corporate chaplaincy or this kind of pastoral care within a company
2: organization. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. I didn't do any counseling. We referred out to different counselors. We had some partnerships. You know, we offered... Uh, there were some like marriage retreats that were happening around the country and the company would pay for travel for that if they would pay for the actual fee of the conference which was which was not very much so there there's some really creative ways to care for employees through different life events and mm-hmm. the interesting thing that as i was kind of doing this the response i was getting was like i can't believe my company would do this for me <laughs> right yeah. I would walk into someone's office kind of checking in and all that. And I would see my handwritten card posted on people's bookshelves. Yeah. It started happening more. People would leave the company and I'd get emails. We just started to see kind of the positive return from just kind of doing those check-ins, getting to know kids and families and all things like that.
0: Yeah. That's just such a it's inspiring to hear stories like that. Cause I think corporate America, it can feel that sacred cycle divides so strong and mm-hmm. to hear that it's possible for companies to be kind of more inclusive and integrative of people and taking care of their holistic lives and integrating their faith. That's just a really cool story. Now is Notebird still being used in that company or is it something that's kind of really focused on the church market now and not so much in the, in the corporate world?
2: Yeah, we we've kind of really focused just on the church market right now as in startup world, you want to just stay focused, focused <laughs> so yeah. uh, maybe eventually we'll expand and we do have some we do have a few customers who wouldn't fall into kind of the the church market per se mm-hmm. uh, but no we're not like actively marketing or reaching out to companies right now to to kind of be able to manage that employee care
0: uh-huh okay that
2: we're, we're staying staying focused on serving pastors and in their teams as they're connecting with their people
0: yeah that makes sense. And I'm I'm kind of hopeful that actually as pastors can be more effective at that, that corporate chaplaincy role gets filled in some ways through our tr- institutional
2: churches. Yeah. yeah, we have a few users on our platform who there's a way to kind of create multiple organizations and kind of have them easily switch back and forth. And so we have a few pastors who are corporate chaplains who want to keep that separate from their church like oh. updates and stuff. And so they just yeah. switch back to the company's profile, uh-huh. make those updates. They're there like three days a week or something, just kind of checking in with employees and they use the tool that way.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Matt, let's talk a little about share and uh, how are you recruiting these, these freelancers and yeah. you know, what's special about the church market that they, you know, they specifically want to serve in this platform.
1: Yeah. Great question. So I'll take the first one first. So podcasts like this, obviously, uh-huh. so anyone listening or saying, Hey, if, if you have a skill and that can serve churches, come sign up. But also really in the, just to get nitty gritty founder story, when we first launched the product, I cold emailed a ton of people on LinkedIn. I literally just wow. looked for anyone who had the titles like creative director or video producer or website designer who had any background working with a church or a ministry or anything like that. Just sent out like 250 cold emails <laughs> uh, and ended up getting 125 who actually signed up. Wow. Which for a cold email response is insane. Uh, yeah, yeah, they actually signed up, and then our open rate was like ninety something percent. So I don't know if that speaks copywriting or the Holy Spirit or just didn't even the market, uh-huh. but that was pretty good validation of okay, cool. I think at least on the freelancer side, there. So that was early, and then now it started just to be kind of word of mouth. Right, someone who's doing this kind of work for a church already you know, they know a lot of other creatives who are also doing that work. and a friend tells a friend. You know, we're active in kind of Facebook groups and try to, you know, do podcasts here and there. We do some marketing, but most of it's been word of mouth.
0: And so you're finding that these freelancers want to work with churches specifically. Like there's something unique that's different than Upwork, different than Fiverr.
1: Yeah, a few different things. One is just inherently, I think creativity for a person of faith is something that they just, the two have such a symbiosis that they want to integrate. And so there's that natural pull of, okay, I'm creating art which is trying to express something that I can't always express in words, which is Mm. a similar kind of emotion that taps into faith, right? And so I think there is just an inherent draw in creatives to want to do work that stokes both that artistic vision, but also their faith kind of vision. So Mm -hmm. that's one element. Another is a lot of these people think we're we're in a place, I'm a millennial, our generation, I'll speak for just millennials, are in a place where we don't want work just to be a a thing that you punch in, punch out. We want to have an impact. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that, okay, if I'm going to be a video producer, if I'm going to be a social media manager, why can't I do that and make an impact and do something kingdom-minded? why can't I use the skills to actually further the kingdom in a Mm. very clear way? So Mm. I think it's, it's some of that's like squishy stuff. Uh, right. But then in other more practical terms, if you've worked at a church before, you just know working for a church is a different beast than working for a corporation. Mm. And so there are just some skill sets there that I think align where people say, well, why don't I just keep serving churches? Uh, because it's something I've done and I feel called to it and I'm passionate about it kind of creatively gets my fire, my juices fired up. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: Are you finding that are a lot of your church customers, like, you know, I know many churches will begin with just volunteer teams yeah. to be able to create their digital yeah. media and do their social media marketing. So what's that tipping point where they say, you know what, we need to professionalize a little bit. We need to start, you know, putting real money behind this. And
1: Yeah. So so what we've seen is, is those churches who are what I call like pre-thousand members or attendees, right? This is all pre-COVID in-person numbers, of course, mm-hmm. but that like under a thousand, but still like over 500. So that- large, medium-sized churches, typically what we'd call that, are kind of at that tipping point where they're saying, okay, we know that just a straight volunteer base, while it's great and we want to always empower volunteers, we need a level of professionalism that maybe isn't feasible to get from volunteers. Mm -hmm. And so they're willing to pay for it. They have the budget spend to do it, but at the same time, they're not ready to make the full-time jump and say, yeah, let's hire a full-time graphic designer with benefits and all the things that
0: come along Mm -hmm. with that. This is actually curiosity for myself with Theotech and things like that. But uh, are companies allowed to use your platform, or only churches, only like nonprofits? Yeah.
1: Use your yeah. Platform? So, so we encourage anyone anyone who is faith minded. I would call it to use the platform. We're targeting churches right now, but we definitely see it being a huge opportunity for Christian businesses, for Christian nonprofits that are you know really feeling the heat right now with COVID. Hey, how do we manage our budgets? Well, staffing is the biggest budget any nonprofit has. So, mm-hmm. so we see that as a huge opportunity.
0: So let's go ahead and talk since you brought it up multiple times now, COVID is the elephant in the room. Yeah. It's obviously disrupted the churches and as well as the rest of society. And uh, you know, what are you guys seeing, both of you, I think from your perspective as founders of these tech companies trying to serve the church market How is the how is the market changing? And what do you foresee the future of church looking like? Cause it's, I, to me, it's pretty clear it's not gonna be what it was in the past. And I know many people have a desire to go back to how it was, but my sense is this is something from the Lord that's pretty cataclysmic and it sucks, but it's also transformative in a positive way that the spirit is using to bring about the kingdom. Now that's my perspective, but I'd be, I'd love to hear what do you guys see from your vantage point?
2: I think I could probably speak for Matt on this. We probably both empathize with pastors and their teams during this time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Just churches have had to quickly do research, adopt, learn, implement a lot of new technology since the start of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. It sped a lot of things up when it comes to digital transformation uh, that maybe was on a, a longer timetable. If they didn't adopt new technology, then they expanded on the technology that they were already using and they kind of doubled down on those platforms. Yeah. Because you know that some churches were already live streaming. Well, there are some that weren't. You know, I've connected with smaller churches who couldn't even live stream because of bandwidth issues in rural America who couldn't do that. There are just so many different nuances that create friction when it comes to technology in the church. Mm. So I think that, I mean, we could go off on a tangent on that, but I'll kind of leave it at that. It's just, there's a lot of different things that make it challenging for churches to engage with so many different platforms at the same time, especially during this pandemic. And I've, I've seen a lot of churches really embrace it and super excited to connect with their people in different ways Mm -hmm. and just kind of the heart to to stay connected in this time, even though they're not seeing their people, they're not giving hugs in the lobby, they're not giving high fives row to row, but that's kind of uh, just the challenge that we're, we're facing during this time.
0: So that, that you know, the human side of it, of technology adoption and do, using it effectively is really hard. If I hear you right, that's kind of what a lot of pastors are facing right now with this.
2: I think it goes through, it has gone through some transition, yeah. So I think day one looks very different than where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a scramble and the main focus was live stream and there were different platforms that were popping up and were being used and people were figuring out the technology side, the software side, but also even the, the microphones and the cables you need and and all that stuff kind of in the first few weeks of trying to figure that out. And then it's kind of progressed. So In my part of the world, in Oklahoma, churches have started to reopen, some churches. Mm -hmm. And so then technology started to show up when it's talking about reopening safely and doing registration and kind of capping the number of people who can be in the sanctuary Mm -hmm. and all of that. I know there there's parts of the country that churches haven't even opened up at all, but that's why I'm saying it's just so nuanced from where you're at in in the tools that you're using.
0: Mm -hmm. Matt, what are you seeing?
2: Yeah, I mean... Yes and amen to everything
1: Taylor said. The complexity for for many churches has been devastating, but then others have absolutely embraced it wholeheartedly. And it's just been a massive, almost a new wind in their sails to some churches and congregations who were previously stagnant. And this has been God's kind of wake up call to them. So I'm both encouraged and also you know hurting for, for a lot of churches out there. The biggest thing that I've seen is probably that the bigger cultural trend, right? You you think of Amazon, you think of any of these platforms that have displaced traditional brick and mortar. I think a lot of church leaders thought that would never happen to the church. Oh. And that has now happened. So now, since everything has gone online, what you've realized is, you know, there are, depending on what estimate you look at, 350,000 churches in America. If we stayed online forever as a church, I think what you would see is the same thing that happened with Amazon, which is eventually you would not have 350,000 churches. I think you'd have. 10 or 15 churches that were mega online streaming churches. And those would be the places everyone would go for church, right? Like you'd get those central hubs that would displace a lot of those communities if everything were only online. Now, thank God it's not only going to be online forever. So I do think what you're going to start to see is more and more churches who double down on relational as much as digital is important. They're going to see that that's going to be a piece of the arsenal of the way they do church. I'm hearing more and more pastors realize that yes, Streaming online is a big deal, but also people are desperately going to come out of the situation needing human relational contact Mm -hmm. and they're still going to value relationships. They're still going to need to gather in small groups. Now it may look completely different. It may be that we see a massive micro church movement or a house church movement, Mm -hmm. but I think there are, there's still going to be such a strong desire component for people to gather together and human contact, despite the fact that everything's been upended. early on, I heard a lot of pastors say, you know what? We want to go all in on digital and we want to be the Netflix of churches, right? We want to have all this content and we want to like be this one central place where all of our people can come and get digitally discipled. And then like, unfortunately what they realized is they probably aren't going to be able to compete with life church or with North point or some of these big churches that already had a huge head start because they just, your local church can't compete with that. As far as the production value, the amount of content they crank out their budgets, all that kind of stuff. So now what I've started to see is churches, church leaders go from okay, we need to crank out all this content to, okay, now we need to figure out how do we get people into groups safely? How do we get them to be able to worship in their home safely? And, and I'm encouraged to see that shift start to happen away from let's just create bigger entertainment buzz to keep their attention yeah. now to how do we actually engage them?
0: Yeah, there's, um, well, you brought up the Amazon analogy where I think Amazon's interesting because it, it does sell retail, but it also supports a platform with hundreds of thousands of sellers who use their platform. Right. right. But, but that's a different analogy. I don't want to have to dive into that <laughs> right now. What I actually, what I hear, and this is unexpected, um, Taylor, with your, your, your product, NoteBird, which yeah. is very much about equipping the pastoral role, people who fill that role with the tool that they need to have that personalized care and attention at scale. Yeah. And then Matt, with your product, Share, where it's actually a, a platform for freelancers to use their gifts for the kingdom. I see this interesting unity because I gave a talk about two years ago that was called the Second Reformation. And it was really rooted in uh, Ephesians 4, where God's purpose for the church was always to be a platform to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That it's not really the pastors who do ministry. It's actually all the saints with all their gifts in in the marketplace, in the home, in society. They're the ones who are doing the ministry, and the pastor teachers were just one of the roles that equips them with what they need. But the institutional church for so long pre-COVID just felt like it was all surrounding that entertainment buzz you said about Sunday worship on the morning, get a huge crowd together, that's it. But it doesn't really seem to fit. It wasn't consistent with what God's dream was in Ephesians 4 of the body of Christ fully activated and unleashed in the whole world. But with your two products, I see kind of like a prototype. So Taylor, like you know, your product is trying to enable saints, pastors, but really any saint, it sounds like, to have that kind of personalized love and care for one another that without technology would be really hard to scale up. And then with you, Matt, with your product, it sounds like it's almost a platform for equipping like to unleash the saint's labor. So if you're gifted in the creative arts, you can use that gift. That's ministry. And it's also using the gig economy, which is a huge trend in our society and bringing it kind of to this market where we can actually start to break apart the church organization institution to something very flexible where saints can come and go serve different church communities with their different gifts. I just see a picture in my mind of kind of moving the body of Christ as a whole into more of that Ephesians 4 vision. Uh, where every saint can use their gifts and get compensated for it too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I'm hopeful. One of the biggest hopes I have for digital transformation is that it's a bigger thing than just live streaming your worship service. It's almost like a refactoring, a reconfiguration of our institutions so that they support really God's vision. I'm really excited to see this connection between both of your companies in this work.
1: It's Chris, it's it's breaking down the ministry industrial complex. Right? <laughs> For so long, there has been this ministry industrial complex where churches are big behemoths that can't change. If it gets big enough, you have a staff of 30, 40, 50, 60 people, they're all full-time, and this is what they do, and they're siloed, and, yep. and there's zero flexibility with how we do ministry. You have this entire ministry industrial complex that's that's ramped up in the second part of the 20th century to really just make the drive for these programs that Sunday service instead of just unleashing the stains to the ministry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: I think something else that I've noticed is for the first time for some churches and for many churches that I've connected with, they have called and connected with everyone on their roster or their member list. Mm. So you think of what are some things that churches have done for the first time during the pandemic? You probably think of live streaming or we've moved to online giving. Well, the thing that I've been saying, yes, that is true is many churches have exported their roster and made calls just for the, just for the fact of saying, Hey, we're calling to check in to see how you're doing. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? Uh, some churches have additional resources during this time and actually have been helping pay bills and showing up in really unique ways but we haven't seen churches necessarily do that on a consistent basis, right? It was the first week that they called. They want, they called every, you know, three weeks to every member. Even some of the biggest, largest churches in America, all the way down to the solo pastor who has 40 members mm-hmm. made has been making calls during this time. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing with all this new technology is a lot of churches just reverted back to the spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet works for one or two weeks as you're kind of tracking calls and all of that. But once you get past that is where a bunch of friction happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Notebird has been able to step in for a lot of churches is kind of bring all of these updates into one place into kind of a care dashboard is what we call it for them to be able to see updates, assign follow-ups, be very proactive in pastoral care. And we really hope and pray that kind of that trend continues to kind of instead of being reactive in pastoral care, when an issue arises, we actually connected with pastors who said, I would have never known this was going on with this person, or I would have found out three months later than what I actually did. And we were able to kind of step in and provide prayer and support. And so there's been a lot of really cool stories that have come from just a call at 2 30 PM on a Tuesday, you know, from a pastor who's just calling in to say hi, or they even have volunteers who are, Making calls uh, for bigger congregations. Yeah. So it's been really cool to hear those stories.
0: And that, you know, that just sounds like they're, they're really fulfilling their vocation. Their calling wasn't always to become an executive producer for a show every Sunday. <laughs> they're calling was <laughs> to pass right. the flock, right? To oversee yeah. the flock, give attention and care. So, in that way, in that sense, I think like, you know, COVID has been something that really helps to refresh that sense of calling for, for pastoral leaders and as, as challenging as it is. I've also found something similar with something that we produce at Theotech called Ceaseless, which is an open source prayer app. It's not as sophisticated as Notebird, but it was something where it would show you three of your contacts to pray for every day, just from your address book. So it's just for lay people, you know, just anyone can use it. But we got all these stories of like these these surprises where someone just reached out to someone on the contact they hadn't talked to for five years or whatever, and said, hey, I'm praying for you, how are you doing? And they end up having a really deep conversation about where they are in life and just praying for one another. And it's just interesting to see the Holy Spirit use these pretty basic tools, um, but to bring about such transformation and change in people's lives, um, just from that practice, that discipline that you talked about of being proactive instead of reactive in our relationships. That's really awesome.
1: Yeah. And I was gonna say, Chris, I mean, it's it's really the thing behind all of these. It's technology enabling humans to connect at a deeper level or in a more significant way than they typically could. And mm-hmm. that's that's the, the most encouraging thing is, in a season, and a literal pandemic, that is meant to destroy and tear apart connection, Yeah. right? What we're seeing is actually tech being able to solve the connection problem and bring people closer together. And I think, you know, once the pandemic has, has passed, I think it'll even heighten the connection that people feel.
0: One of the things that we care very deeply about uh, at Theotech, one of the visions that we have is that we believe God designed for the church to be people from every language from every culture worshiping together rather than segregated by culture or language and so we built this platform called spiffio spf.io that does translation and captioning with AI and with also humans so we found this uptick obviously with the pandemic because everything's going virtual and digital now traffic and interest but then it's even harder now like if you were only a white congregation that only speaks English it's even harder to create relationships with people who are not you know of your same language and culture even though you can make your service accessible there's still like this like barrier that before you could have like a dinner or you can, you know, you can have this face-to-face right. stuff. It feels, I think like it's um, the vision is there, but it's so challenging now when you don't have the face-to-face to form new connections. Have you guys, have you guys thought about that at all? And perhaps, yeah, perhaps uh, it happens just word of mouth, like you, were, like you were talking about, but that's been, I think a big question It's like people are staying connected online, but the the whole aspect of new relationships, new connections seems to be pretty difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, hu- real human interaction is a catalyst for serendipity, right? For for just natural overlaps and random chance meetings, and oh, okay, well, we're at the same coffee shop, or we're at the same, you know, sporting event, or whatever. And and you don't have those, right? Like yeah. when when we're in this in this paradigm. And so, yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed that. I don't I don't think I've made many new friends outside of just cold emailing people, right? The pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. it's mostly been reconnecting with old friends or people who who has already friends with.
2: Mm-hmm. Taylor, any thoughts? No, I mean I echo Matt. It's just super challenging. So I think even now of being in our homes, personally I think of neighboring in mm. this in this moment. I know we we still need to be socially distanced and all these things, but hopefully people are seeing their neighbors more. They're having conversations, you know. Driveway to driveway, and car that usually leaves at 6 a.m. and gets home at 6 p.m. at night is now in the driveway all day. I really think we're going to come out of this as we start to hear more stories of like, hopefully, neighbor connections have grown during this time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and, and just a way to kind of show God's love in kind of those ways that we're, I think, because I'm a neighborhood guy, <laughs> think should already happen. But hopefully, with the pandemic, we're we're gonna we're gonna see and hear some cool stories from that.
0: Yeah. There's a lot less distractions. You can't just go out to a party and a movie and like all these other activities, like like there's nothing to do. So, Hey, what's up neighbor? Howdy. (laughs) Want to barbecue social distance? Yeah. 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 I want to close with this question for both of you guys, which is, I think that it's easy to think about, you know, a company that serves the church market or the Christian market, but it's harder to think about what does it mean for our faith in Jesus to really impact our career as, as tech founders or as founders of these companies how does it really make a difference? Right. So where the church is not just a market that you're trying to reach, but it really is an expression of your faith in Christ and, and God's vision for the kingdom. How have you guys seen that in your own lives play out with your companies and your products?
1: Matt? Yeah. I was going to say, you want me to go first? Do <laughs> you want to go first? That's a big question. So starting a company is one of the most soul gratifying and soul crushing experiences. <laughs> uh, <ever> yes. <laughs> I know. And so, in that way it is a, it is in a little C crucifying. It's crucifying our pride on a daily basis. It's crucifying our ego. It's crucifying our hopes, our ambitions, our dreams, all all these things that we tend to hold very close to our identity. And so I think the act of starting a company or starting anything, starting anything, taking an idea from God breathed in our brain to fleshed out in real life is an act of incarnation. And as an act of incarnation, it is going to be subjected to crucifixion. <laughs> mm. And the, the trick comes in being the creator of something to allow then God to redeem it, to say, This is not going to meet my hopes, my dreams, my expectations. It's not going to go, go perfect. It's not always going to be this walk in the park that is a unicorn. But in the midst of that, God is going to redeem that and still bring good out of it. So for me, that's been, it's just been that process of looking to Jesus as the experience of who Christ is of, okay, that's a similar journey that we get in a very small way as a shadow of that, that we get to walk that. For me, it's just coming back to that, reminding myself that this is not just building a company. This is getting the opportunity for Christ to work on my character. And so when I get to reframe it that way, then when I have a bad day or when an investor says, I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life, right? <laughs> it doesn't sting quite so bad. So that's, for me, that's been a really helpful way to frame my faith around around BSR.
0: That's great. How about you, Taylor?
2: Yeah, I think I, I would echo Matt. And then I will also add the way that I can exemplify Christ through relationships that I wouldn't have if I didn't have this business. Mm. So I, I'm really grateful at the end of the day after long days of zoom calls and and trainings and just kind of listening to different care teams and pastors uh, share, I'm just super grateful to have the opportunity to serve them in this time. And so I will pull longer hours to create documents that can help run a pastoral care meeting more efficiently or to help you care for people or different things. And so I think that's the way I get to communicate Christ's love to other people is through customers that are paying us, but also potential customers. Mm-hmm. So I've been on Zoom calls. This was early on in the in the pandemic, like week one, when we were getting reached out and I was doing Zoom calls. This was like the first time that church staffs have ever done a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Like it was literally some people's first ever Zoom call was a notebird <laughs> training. And so in that moment, we didn't talk about Notebird. It was, let's talk about the basics of Zoom. Let's talk about etiquette. Let's also, like people were just kind of sharing emotions about what everything was happening. And so in that moment of just kind of putting Notebird back and saying, let's listen to this. People are grieving in this time. Uh, people are people are wrestling with this in different ways. And then ultimately we got to Notebird. But it's been really cool to be able to kind of exemplify uh, Christ's love, both in kind of customer care and then also people that we engage with who are kind of looking at this as a potential solution. Chris, you said in a few episodes ago, you kind of framed the question. You said, what if technology can help Christians do more of what God wants? Mm -hmm. And when you said that, I was like, that's good right there. (laughs) I was like, let me write that (laughs) down. That'll preach. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I think even when I reached out to you, I was like, bro, this line was amazing. And so I think I've kind of come back to that a few times, you know, as I'm on these calls of like, man, we just get to help and Matt does too. Yeah. And you and your in your in your company of helping Christians do more of what God wants. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's part of the vision of what Noport is trying to do.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. That was a, that was really from my Amazon days. Like, what if God is the customer? What if we obsess over God, what God wants and work backwards so that we invent technology that helps people to do more of what God wants? So thanks for that reminder. It's an encouragement for day. me too. And just uh, hearing about how God uses business as a tool for discipleship. So our identity in Christ is manifest. As we were talking about Matt and business is a way that we love our neighbors, in very concrete ways. You sure, Taylor? That's these are just fantastic reminders that our business is not just about profit. It's not just about making it big or status. It's not really about those things at all. It is about the kingdom of God and how we, how Christ in us is is bringing that about. These are this is a great episode. Thank you so much, Taylor, and thank you, Matt. If your ministry is looking for digital creatives, or if you want to serve ministries with your skills, check out Matt's site at SHAAR.org. And if you're a ministry leader looking for a tool to help your team cultivate relationships in your community, especially in this time of pandemic, check out Taylor's site, notebird.app. As always, I want to give a big thank you to our Theotech patrons for making this podcast possible. If you'd like to become a patron and get bi weekly updates on what's happening behind the scenes at Theotech, you can do so at patreon.com/theotech. Thank you and God bless.